Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. All right, so let me catch you up where we're at on uh, the good news. In the good news, um, if you're new with us today, don't, don't fret. You are in week number three, but you don't have to have the other messages to end up understanding what is taking place in uh, the good news. Um, so I'm going to catch you up. First week, we talked about getting rid of fairness. Um, let there be light. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Uh, we talked about getting rid of fairness. And the reality is that we don't honestly want fairness. If we're, if we're really honest about it, we only want fairness when it benefits us. But whenever it's like time for justice and it's time to be fair because we messed up and we need to get our due, eh, we don't like it. And so week one, we process like grace. Grace is a better boat to be in. It's a better spot. It's a better position. You want grace, not fairness. Last week, we wrestled with um, trying to be good and how scripture uh, is clear on the reality that we're just not good. And what I hope you come to, um, both today and last week, is that it's okay to not be good. Because that's the whole point of Jesus, is to remind us that he's got us. And we don't have to have this facade of goodness and pretend like we got it all together and all figured out. We can just rest in his mercy and his grace, and that's enough. This week, I am, uh, it's with my great pleasure that every other week, I've had to set you up with bad news first. Like, I need to tell you about the cancer that is your soul so I can under- help you understand grace. I've got to tell you why life isn't fair and why you should be okay with it not being fair. But this week, I don't have any bad news to set you up with, all right? We just get to rest in some good news. Like, the whole series I was praying about, I was like, God, I just want to tell some good news. And he was like, no, I got to do some other stuff first. So today we finally get to do that. We got some release to do that. And what we've been doing is uh, through parables. And today's no different. We're going to jump into a parable. I want to set you up with some context. A very short parable, but the context of this parable matters. Um, This parable uh, is Jesus talking, and what you need to know about this culture is that in uh, the first century in Israel, the the nation of Israel, they were agricultural. They they were dependent on the rain coming at the right time. They were dependent on crops landing at the right time. They were dependent on all the right things happening at just the right time, uh, weather-wise and and, uh, crop-wise, so that they could eat. And if you didn't have it, you didn't eat. And one of the things that they were pretty obsessed about is planting. Like you need to plant a certain way. And if you don't plant well, then you might cause another field to have a problem because there was a plant called the mustard seed. And the mustard seed, if you got the wrong mustard seed, it was a weed. And that weed would spread. And not only, st- it's not like it knows where fences are. So it would just stop at your fence row because you planted the mustard seed. No, it would go to everybody else's. So the whole culture knew like, hey, and, and there's some historians that say there was even illegal to plant a mustard seed. And so none of us really like weeds in our life, right? If you're trying to plant one thing, you want a nice Bermuda grass, you don't like when the dandelion pops up. However, if you're a kid and you want dandelions, the definition of weed changes, right? So the idea of what a weed is changes based on your culture. And for them, this type of mustard seed is a weed. It's, it's, it's a deadly force, not just for, their, for looks and what they want. It's a deadly force because it might take out the crops that are there to feed them. And so Jesus sets up an unexpected story in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. It says it like this. I can't even see if it's on the screen. Like, I'm going to read it says it like this. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I got it in here. Uh, he told them, another, can y'all see that? Everybody can read? Okay, y'all did a good job with them lights. Way to curveball. Give, give them a round of applause for that curveball. 
All right, so it says like this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He's setting up a really unexpected story. Like, first off, guy's not going to plant intentionally a mustard seed. That's an accident that it ends up in your garden you or in your, in your field. You don't want it. He's setting an unexpected story from the very get-go where the guy is planting intentionally a mustard seed. That don't make no sense. Why would he do that? So the hearers of this in, in the first century are going, why would he do that? This is uh, that's going to turn out bad. It's going to turn out awful. Why in the world would anybody intentionally plant this mustard seed? So they're already caught off guard, and then he catches them with the hook. You know, like you're, you're looking for the left hook, you get the right hook. And he's like, but actually, it turns out that the mustard seed grew different. It didn't become a weed. It became a different version of a mustard seed, which is accurate. There are different versions of mustard seed, and some of them become big plants that he's calling a tree that is like a big bush, and it would spread as far as like 20 feet wide. It'd be really tall. So it's this perfect plant that is good for shade for your workers. It's good for the birds to come and perch in its branches. The thing that you thought wasn't going to happen took a different route and God used it for good, right? That's true in the kingdom. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is just like this. You might not have expected God to use this thing in your life to do something like this, but that's how God works because Romans tells us that he works all things out for the good. And the the crux of that the crux of, of us having him work things out for the good is whether we give it to him and trust him with it. Whether we decide, well, it's a mustard seed, it can't be good, so we go chop down that tree that was supposed to be there for our benefit. We go kill the seed that God has tried to plant in our life. And so over and over again, you can see in Scripture, and I bet you can see it in your life. You can see, hey, look at there. That is bright now. Now I can't see you at all. I've seen you great before. The, uh, so you, you have things in your life that are unexpected, that that God will turn for good, right? Like right now, uh, I can tell you almost every time we have a tech issue, it's usually not in the middle of a service. Um, almost every single time, there is something, some resistance for a reason. So I know that sounds strange, but anytime we're like, oh, this morning is, is, is going harder, there's somebody that I talked to in the lobby is like, oh, I needed that. Like there was a resistance for a reason. So today, maybe as we're processing God using the unexpected, maybe this throwing you off and catching you off guard and the lights and all the chaos that's going on, maybe what God is trying to get to you, something that was unexpected, he's going to turn for your good. And so in our life, we see that. We see people who are struggling with drugs end up in prison, and that'd be the very catalyst that God uses to set thousands of drug, drug addicts free. We see people that start, celebrate recoveries and all of these other addiction services because what was unexpected and not planned and not good, all of a sudden God used it for something amazing. And it became what this mustard seed story became. The thing that we thought was bad became beneficial to its environment. It became beneficial. It wasn't just that the plant survived. It wasn't just that the plant was a cool tree. It wasn't good for the plant. Hey, good job. You are a beautiful plant. You're not an ugly weed. You turned out to be a cool tree or bush or whatever you are. That was really cool. Good job, plant. No, no, the plant was beneficial to its environment. And what's going to happen, I believe, for some of you today, you're going to find out that your mustard seed story, 
your unexpected part of your past, your unexpected part of the thing that happened in your life, the, the, the character traits that you thought weren't good, the things that you thought weren't gifts in you, like you just are quirky. Like I'm just a weird person that really obsesses about sci-fi or I'm just a weird person that really obsesses about nerding out on, on this kind of stuff or digital design or, or websites or fill in the blank that you feel like that's not really a gift for the kingdom of God. That's not really that powerful or it may be just bad. Like, yeah, my family's all full of anger. They're, like, that's my, my whole family, just nothing but anger. We rage out on each other. We yell at each other. There's no way God can use that. And in all of those scenarios, God takes those things that are unexpected, unplanned, not good on the surface until you hand them over to him and he uses them for good. So what was your anger? What was your family dynamic of frustration becomes your passion, becomes the thing that you go, the anger doesn't control me, but I control it. And I make moves in the kingdom because God has put a passion in me. And it's not anger at others. It's, it's a drive and a passion. All of a sudden, the thing you thought was against you was the thing God wanted to use to do something amazing. He takes unexpected things. If we'll just give him the seed, just the smallest amount, God will use it for big things to bless the kingdom, to bring power and, and shade and comfort and safety for those around us that needed that spot, that needed us to come through, that needed us to hand God that mustard seed of unexpected things that happened in our life, the turmoil, the chaos, the family upbringing. And I remember the first time I was kind of like shook by how God could use anything, right? Good and bad, the unexpected. He just uses stuff if the person will be faithful. And the first time it happened, uh, it came about uh, because, like, I was raised in, like, a very specific way we do church and the way God uses people. You're called to the ministry. Everybody else, just go do your stuff. Like, do whatever you're supposed to do and come to church. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's this football player that I didn't like. Didn't like the guy because he's on the opposite team. I didn't want to see him play because he was good, and I didn't want to watch him beat our team. <laughs> and uh, uh, so they're, they're playing, and I watched this, like, national-level game. It's everybody's watches, big game, big thing. And this guy, you might know his name, Tim Tebow, uh, decided that because he's a follower of Christ on, on the blacks under his eyes, football players put blacks for the glare, uh, on the blacks under his eyes, he wrote John 3.16, just abbreviated John 3.16 under his eyes. And I was like, well, good for him. He's a Christian, but we still want to win, right? Don't, we still don't like him. And the next day I found out like millions upon millions of people searched John 3.16 millions. And I'm like, in America, like I already thought y'all knew John 3.16. We're Googling it now? I didn't, I didn't know that we needed to Google John 3.16. See, because at that moment in time, I'm doing ministry. He's just throwing a football. In that moment of time, I'm, I'm doing God's work and he's just got some skill that's fun to watch, but who cares about it? Because we got kingdom work to do. And what he seemed to be able to do what he was able to do with that moment is leverage something unexpected. Just, I'm good at a sport. I like playing. I have fun doing it. So how can I give it to you, God? How can I take this unexpected thing and leverage it for you? And he took one small act, one small, just like faithful moment and used it for something big. At that moment, I'm preaching like 10 people. Oh, cool. I got 10 views online. I'm going viral. 30 views. Look at me. I'm crushing it. This man throwing a football reached more people for the gospel than all of my effort combined in all my years just because God took the unexpected when someone was faithful to give it back to God and say, you know what? I'll use football. I'll use it. Just, just give me an opportunity. I'll use your past. I'll use your childhood. I'll use your struggles. If you will just hand me a bit of mustard seed kind of faith into my hands, God will use it for big things, right? So Matthew's gospel keeps going on. He keeps uh, continuing with this mustard seed idea. And 
uh, the disciples are going out to, to do exactly what Jesus called them to do. He's like, you're, you're my disciples. You're supposed to do what I do. So he sends them out. He says, hey, go, go, go heal people. Go do all the stuff that, I, that you've seen me do. Because by definition, as my disciples, you're supposed to do what I do. Right? So they go out and they have trouble. They can't perform a miracle and they're confused. Hey, Jesus, why can't we do what you said we were supposed to do? We're confused. And here's Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. It said, so Jesus said to them, it is because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Matthew 13, he talks about mustard seed scenarios. Matthew 17, he talks about mustard seed faith. He says, listen, you guys didn't believe that I could do something with you. You didn't trust. Your unbelief stopped you from, from being able to do exactly what I told you to do. I didn't ask you to do big things. All I'm asking from you is a little bit of mustard seed kind of faith. A little bit of just, all right, God said I can do it. Then I'll take him at his word. I'll trust him. I'll take this step. I'll pray for the sick. I'll pray for those that are struggling. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And the disciples don't believe it in that moment. They don't trust that God really can use them as unexpected tax collectors and fishermen and all of these random guys. Like, surely God can't use me. And just like the disciples are struggling, we struggle with that every single day. Well, yeah, but that, you don't understand, Jerry. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, no, no. You are doing exactly what God has called you to do when you take that one step. I don't, I don't need you to preach on the stage. I don't need you to be able to have a great voice and sing. I don't need you to play an instrument. All I need you to do, all of us, every single one of us, is to take the next faithful step that God has called you to take. The good news, the good news of today is that God doesn't need you to have oak tree faith. He doesn't need you to look impressive to everybody around you. He doesn't need you to crush it and be perfect. All he needs you to do is trust him with one next faithful step. Even you, with your past, and you're saying, well, Jared, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't understand. No, even you, if you're still breathing, God is not done. He can use your next faithful step to do amazing things. He says he'll do the impossible. Things that weren't supposed to, to, to move got moved. The thing that was a generational curse in your family now all of a sudden is eradicated because you leveraged your anger for love and for passion. The thing that was supposed to take you down with your drug addiction and your prison sentence was the thing that you leveraged to reach other people who are going down that path and prevent them from getting there. The thing that, that you thought was going to take you out is the very unexpected thing that God wants to leverage to show the world that he does the impossible through the unexpected and you are the unexpected. You are the one he wants to do something through. You are the one he wants to take one faithful step. You have no idea how many people are in Life Kids every single week just taking a small faithful step. I just show up, show up to huddle, and I serve. I might hold a baby so a mom can go worship Jesus. I might help disciple a two-year-old and help them understand their memory verse. I might help a first grader understand what it means to follow Jesus with their life. And it might seem like when you wake up, you're like, well, I can't. I'm not, this bed is comfortable, so... I probably shouldn't show up and serve because I'm tired and I need my rest until you go, oh, wait, but if I get up with one faithful step and I trust God with my time, with my morning, with my attend one service, serve another service, I just trust God with that. Maybe he'll use it. And I believe God is doing amazing works through people that you don't even see sometimes. God is doing amazing works through a high five at the door. God is doing amazing work through people who are being changed here and they go to their work the next day and they're different. God is doing amazing things and there's nothing, nothing more amazing than when somebody takes 
the next faithful step that they're called to. There's, there's actually nothing bigger in the kingdom of God. You, you never grow out of just taking a small faithful step. You never get too big for that. Like, no, I don't do following and obedience to Jesus unless it's a big deal. You know, like when he calls me to, you know, like heal blinded eyes, that's when I step up. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't treat my spouse right. I don't treat my kids right. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. All he's ever asked us to do from the beginning is to say, all right, I trust you. I trust that you are good and that you're merciful and that you will use me, even me, to do amazing things. Now, there's two groups of people in here. Um, I think this is good news for both of you. And let me, hear you, let me tell you how it might play out for you. Um, for one group of you, you want to control the outcome. You're looking like, okay, all right, God, I need you to give me the seed, but I need to know what it is before I plant it, right? I need to figure it out. And I'm just going to be a mustard seed or is it going to be a big tree? Is it an oak? What is it? What are we doing? And you want all the answers. And today I want to set you free. You can calculate all the outcomes. You can process and pray all you want. But the only thing you have to come down to is, am I supposed to plant? Am I supposed to take the step? You can do all the calculations. You can dream of all the possibilities. But at the end of the day, the good news is, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to be faithful. You can let go of the results. All you have to do in this moment is to let go for a second and say, oh, wow, I've been trying to control the world and I don't have the power to. I've been, it says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And I've been trying to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and trying to figure out all the outcomes for my spouse and my kids and my work and my money. I've been trying to figure out politics when I don't even in politics. I'm trying to control the church when I don't even in leadership of the church. What am I doing? You're carrying things that are not yours to carry. It's time to lay them at his feet and say, all right, I can think about the outcome. I can dream about the outcome. I can pray about the outcome. But God, you tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll trust you. Like you just let go for a minute and say, I can't control it all. I can't control my kids. I can't control my grandkids. I can't control my spouse. I can't control the result. But what I can control is whether or not I'm taking the faithful step that God has called me to. I can't control how they talk to me, but I can control how I talk to them. I can't control every outcome, but I can just trust God with my next faithful step. There's another group of you that you don't want to control nothing. You just want to know what the right step is. You're just terrified to take a step. You're just like, I don't, I've been sitting for 10 years because I'm afraid if I take the wrong step, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up and I'm going to mess everything up. Like you said something about my anger and if I take the wrong step, I'm going to make everybody in my family more angry. And we're going to have like double anger in my family tree because I took the wrong step. God, just tell me that I just need to know hundred percent what the right step is. And let me set you free in the strangest way to set you free because I'm going to kind of diss on you while I'm setting you free. When God gave you a step, when God was, was calculating how to make you and what to do with you, he calculated in our stupidity into the calculation of the steps he was calling us to, right? It's, it's in the fact that he's like, no, 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 I know they're humans and they're stupid. He's, he was just like, I know it. I created them. They do dumb stuff. And if you don't think you do dumb stuff, let's talk. I can find some things that we do. But I, I calculated that in. And, and the grace of God and the mercy of God is that you don't have to have it perfect. You just have to do all that you know to do to be faithful with what God has given you in the moment to just take one step. That's all I need. I need, I need 51%. I just need to get to the place where I'm 51% sure. I've asked the questions, I've talked to the people, I've prayed about it, I've read scripture, and this is the best I know to do. So rather than sitting still, my God is a God who wants to set you free to take steps. To take the step. Like there's grace in the mistake. He, he's, he's good at steering you and making it seem like it was all part of the plan, but he's not good at pushing people. He's just not in scripture. He, there's very few moments where he's just kicking donkeys and telling them to go. Just get, just get up. Just go. Just go. Like, he's always finding people on the move and redirecting them to the right way. It's hard to turn around if you're sitting still. And that's what repenting is. 
So take the move, make the move, make the risk, but trust that God is good enough to have calculated in your stupidity in the step, that he's got you covered if you'll just be faithful with the step. And I know there's like veins of Christianity that want, want depth, right? Like we want depth in, in what God has called us to do. And what I found out is that the gospel is exceedingly simple. Like it's so simple and it's equally difficult. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. It is simple to understand. It is a simple concept, but it is immensely difficult to walk out and live out. Like on Monday, like on Sunday, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do this thing. God's calling me to do it. I'm so excited. I'm going to do it. And then you wake up on Monday. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. You don't want to do it. There's, there's all of these doubts and questions like, what are they going to think about me? What if I don't, what if I mess this up too much? And you've got all of these wrestles and these fears. And so it's, it's super simple to know what Jesus is calling us to do. Love God, love people. That should be simple. And then all of a sudden Monday hits and then Wednesday hits and you've got all of these wrestles and you've got these desires and then you mess up again and then you feel bad and you wonder, like, does he still love me? me the same? No, he calculated that in too. And we want all of this depth. Like I've, I've noticed like Christianity, we want depth. Like if you get, if you've been in church for any length of time, somebody's talked to you about depth. Like I want to go deep in scripture. Like one, one group of Christians really wants to go deep in scripture. Like I want to know the Greek and the Hebrew. I want depth. I want to like dig. I want to know the, I want to know it all. Like I want to know the historical context. I want to know what Peter's great grandmother's uncle's name was. Like I want to know it all. Like let me get it all, all the information. And there's another group that's like, I want to, I want an experience. Like, I want to go deep in the spirit and the move of God. And like, that's the tradition I was raised in. I want, I want to be at the altar. I want people running the building. I want people slaying the spirit. I want people speaking in tongues. And we want depth and we want hunger. And here's the thing. I like both of those things. I haven't grown out of either one. I like the context. I like the history. I like the depth of, of what it means to be passionately pursuing Jesus with our life and having him move in our life. But at the end of the day, the depth should lead to action. Like, I like the depth, but most of the time, I already know what I was supposed to do. Most of the time, like, I'm, like for me personally, this isn't everybody, for me, I'm sometimes using depth as an excuse to be complacent. If the depth doesn't lead me to a closer relationship with Jesus, if the depth doesn't lead me to another connection point of who I'm supposed to be and how God is going to use me, if the depth on Sunday doesn't lead me to who God has called me to be on Monday, then it's depth for complacency's sake. If I have an amazing move of God and he change, it like shifts something in my heart, if it doesn't change how I treat the waitress when I go to, to the restaurant after church, then maybe just maybe I had a good emotional experience, but there was no action that needed to follow that depth. And I can understand all the Greek and Hebrew, but if I don't put my faith and trust God with my steps and my actions, then I just look good to the people around me and I'm not really doing what God has called me to do. I love the depth. I want the depth, but it should always be the thing that helps me understand and live differently, have action steps. And it's true, there's this parable where um, Jesus is talking about two sons. And in this parable, uh, he talks about two sons and this dad asks them for something. I don't really know what they ask. So like, I'm, I, I like try to make stuff up for what happens in the parable because it's real short. But the first kid, uh, the, the dad comes up and asks him to do something. And he's like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't know why. He's got excuses. He doesn't say. All scripture tells us he's not going to do it. He's like, I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to do it. I got stuff to do. Stop asking me too much. My dad asked too much. I done did it. I done did it five times. Not doing it anymore. And he goes and he turns around after telling his dad he's not going to do it. And he repents. Scripture says he repents. He's like, you know what? My dad's a good dude. 
It doesn't say this, but that's what I'm assuming. You know, my dad's a good dude. He's, he's asked me to do something. He gave me life. Like, I should stop being a jerk. I'm going to go do it. Scripture says he repents, and he turns around and does exactly what the father had asked him to do. And he said, there's a second son. And the second son, the father comes up to him and says, like, hey, listen, I need you to do this thing. He's like, dad, sir, general, you are my, yeah, I got you. I got you. That's not what it says, but that's what I assume. And he turns around. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Forget that guy. He asks too much of me all the time, like trying to always get me to do something general, whatever. Like I'm not doing it. He turns around and doesn't do what he, what he was asked to do. And here's what Jesus says. Like this is much shorter. I'm a, like that's not, that's the Jared version, not King James version. All right. And here's what, here's what Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. He says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For those of us who uh, use depth as an excuse to not take the next faithful action step, he's saying you look like the sons. Like you look good on the outside, but you know who makes it in? You know who gets to heaven first? The people who don't look good, but are faithful. They don't say it right, don't sound right, don't look right, but on Monday, they're like, all right, God. Like, you, you're here at church, like, Jared, forget that guy. He's over here telling me to do all this stuff, trying to challenge me, talking about I'm not good. I am good. You don't know me. And then on Monday, you're like, all right, God, I'll do it. I get it. I need, I need grace. I need grace, right? Like, forget that message. Forget that scripture. I don't like that. I don't got to do that. And then all of a sudden, you do it. Scripture is saying, no, no, that person who takes a little bit of time to sing in, but they're faithful to take the step, they make it. And many of us have settled for looking good rather than letting God changing us. Rather than letting God in and letting us, him challenge us to take the steps. We are so good with the suits and ties and looking good. Oh, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. You just got done cussing at your kids before you walked into that church building talking about blessed and highly favored. We're so good at putting on a front. We want to look good and never allow God to challenge us to be good. We like to show everybody that everything's good and we're, oh, yeah, no. Like, I got to do drugs to survive my day, but I'm great. I'm great right now until I come down. Like we, we like to put on a show of goodness and, and many of us have a, have a show so good that nobody knows what's really going on in your marriage with your kids because on Facebook, on Instagram, you look like you're crushing it, but you're dying on the inside because God is asking you to take one faithful step and you're like, that's too hard. Like you're asking too much. I don't know. I don't know that I can do that. And God is saying, no, that's the reason that the harlots and the tax collectors, the people that don't look good make it into heaven first is because they're at the place where they can admit, help, I'll take the step. I got nowhere else left to go, help me. We're busy covering up and looking a certain way and God is saying, no, no, I don't need you to look a certain way. I need you to be a certain way. I need you to be changed from the inside out. I need you to be faithful. There is nothing greater in the kingdom than be faithful. And the good news is he's given us all the ability, all the ability that we need to take the next step that we're called to do. We don't have to have it perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to all figured out. We just have to be faithful. That's the good news. Wherever you started at, uh, there's an analogy uh, that a guy named C.S. Lewis uses. And he says there's a guy that, um, that has some really dark, dark desires. And every single day he wakes up and he prays to not act on those desires. Like just begs God, I don't do it. And every single day he resists this deep, dark desire that he knows he shouldn't act upon. And he keeps resisting, he keeps resisting. And then there's another guy and he's a preacher and his dad's a preacher and his grandfather's a preacher. He was raised in a preacher home. Every week he gets up on that sermon. He doesn't really have to do much because it's easy for him. It's simple. He's not challenged. It's, it's a simple process he's been raised in. And he said, 
the guy who faithfully trusts God and resists the temptation every single day is more righteous in God's eyes than the preacher who looks good to everybody else. Because one is being faithful to take the steps and the challenge. One is being faithful to trust God. And the other one is complacent and stagnant in where they are. And I can see myself in that. Like, I, I, could, I could be that guy real quick. I can look good. I've, I've been raised around. I've been raised in the church. I've seen, my grandfather taught me how to preach. My parents taught me respect and how to deal with life well. I could be that guy where I put on a show. I could be a big fish in a little pond really quickly and impress a whole lot of people. But I don't want to look Jesus in the face one day and him go, you know what I asked you to do. You cared more about what they thought about you. You know that I was challenging you to more. I was challenging you to bigger. I was challenging you and you... You, you stayed looking good rather than being good. You stayed not being faithful. And for many of you, we're going to get there, and it's going to be just like that scripture. You're going to be shocked at who's got the mansions, right? Who's got, who's got all the rewards? You're like, that dude, I saw him. He was so addicted. He was messed up. And he's like, no, 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 God's like, he was faithful. He showed up. He repented. And you're going to see me over in the corner like, I'm just glad I made it, y'all. <laughs> just like, I, I still got smoke coming off my shirt like, woo. They had some, some loopholes for me. I'm just, I'm just glad to be here, you guys. I'm just so excited. Like, Jerry, we thought you were good. Like, I was skating by, just barely faithful, just, en- just enough, right? That, that's, that's what he's saying heaven is going to look like. There are so many of you that think that you've got to impress people and you've got to look a certain way. And God is saying, that ain't, that's not the way. There's somebody in Life Kids, there's somebody in Host Team that's way ahead of me in faithfulness because the raw material they've been given, they are more faithful than I am. That's what C.S. Lewis is saying. The raw material you were given with, that's the proof that Jesus is who he says he is, is that who you would have been without him is very different than who you are now. And for some of us, it's just saying no to the drugs every day is enough. Just being faithful to your spouse is a big challenge. Just not yelling at your kids every single day, it takes everything you've got. And you're being faithful and he's growing. And what he says is he's not going to leave you there. What he says is that it's not going to stop there, that he's going to do impossible things. You think all I can do in my power is just resist. And he says, let me show you what I can do. I can move mountains on your behalf if you will just trust me. If you will just trust me with the next faithful step. You don't need to compare. I just, one step in front of the other. It says like this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, um, I need you to beat the next guy. I need you to be better than Billy Graham. I need you to be better than Craig Rochelle. I need you to be better than Elon Musk or, or any, anybody you think of that you want to be better at in business or spiritually. Like, I need you to win. You need to get more money. I need you to look better. I need you to seem better. Make sure you're healthy. Make sure you look a certain way. No, he says, I need you to run your race. Let, let's set aside the stuff that gets in the way of me running my race. Let's set aside the sin and the weights that stop me from running the race that is set before me. He doesn't need you to be faster than the next guy. He needs you to be faithful to the race that you have. To take one step at a time to trust him. He is, he is going to mold you. He's going to move mountains. But all you got to do is start with a mustard seed faith. All right, God, what's next? What's the one next thing? And today I want to challenge you that the good news is all you have to do is take one step at a time. The good news is all you have to do is trust God with one next step. And the difficulty might be finding out what the next step is. What is that next step? Jared, you've been talking about next steps. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's probably a group of you that know. 
and you hate the fact that I'm talking about this because you know what you need to do tomorrow. You know what you need to do this afternoon. It's a text. It's a conversation. For some of you, you don't know. Like, what do I, how do I figure out that step? And the way that I know practically that I figure out the step uh, is there's, there's four steps. There's four actions to it, right? The first one is scripture. Like, I, I'm going to wrestle through scripture, understand scripture enough to know who God is and what he's called me to do, right? Like, I know that I don't want to forgive some people, but in scripture, it forces me to forgive people. Like, I, I have to. I don't have a choice. It's not optional in scripture. I got to forgive. I don't want to. I don't like it. But my next faithful step is forgiving somebody because scripture is clear on that, right? The second thing for me uh, is worship. Uh, worship for me takes what scripture puts in my head and makes it true in my heart. Worship takes my, my emotions and aligns them up with the truth of God's word. I might know God is good, but sometimes I don't feel like he's good. And worship shifts that into my heart so that I start to feel with the truth of God's word in my life. And I need, we don't like to admit it, we're emotional creatures. We make a lot of emotional decisions. And if you think you can just get head knowledge and it's going to change your heart, it won't work. At some point, your heart has got to be changed and worship does that for me. Um, the third thing is prayer. Not prayer and fasting or just prayer by itself, but just communicating to God and saying, God, I need this. I need your help. Speak to me. I'm, a, I'm an open channel for you to speak to me. And the last one is the one that gets most neglected. The one the church kind of leaves out a lot, but it's the one that has turned out to me, for me to be the most important. And that is conversations with people who have my back and pe godly people who have wisdom and want my best. That's, that's the one. Because here's what I've been good at. I've been good at having these three and convincing myself that I'm justified. Like, I've been real good at being like, I heard you say about forgiveness, but here's how I'm going to forgive. I'm going to pray this verse about him that, that God cut short his life, because that's in Scripture, so I can justify that. God cut his life short, and worship, yes, Lord, you're good, because you're going to cut his life short. Yes, God, cut his life short, because I'm going to pray about it. Cut his life short, because he's a jerk. He's rude. I don't like him. I don't have to forgive him. And I go to talk to somebody, and I go, you know what? Here's what I prayed. Here's what's going on with me. And they're like, ah, oh, that's, mm, No. That's not forgiveness at all. That's quite the opposite of forgiveness. Like, I don't know what you think forgiveness is, but that's not, that's not in Scripture. I want what's best for you, but this is going to kill you if you hang on to that bitterness. And you know, there's so many areas of my life that I can justify, and I feel like, ooh, worship to confirm that I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyways. And prayer life just made me believe. And all of a sudden, I have conversations with people who have my back, who have godly wisdom, who've been through it before, and I go, hey, what do you think about this? And they go, nope. I'm like, forget you. I'm going to talk to somebody else. Right? I'm going to talk to somebody else. And that's what we do. A lot of times we set up those conversations and we lead the witness with them. We're like, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to do it. I just want you to bless it. Can you bless it for me? I'm going to go do this thing. So just say yes to it. Say it's a good idea. All right. Okay, cool. And they're like, I don't, I'm sure. Do whatever you're going to do. Instead of just like, honestly, openly, God, am I crazy? Man, am I, hey, listen, am I, is this a, is this a crazy thing to do? That one of the times happened whenever I was coming to Muskogee. I loved where I was at. So it sounded like a crazy idea. I went to my campus pastor. And I was like, hey, is this a crazy idea? That was open enough for him to ask some questions, to, to, to dig deep enough, to ask me enough questions to go, is it God? And I was like, I think it's God. And he's like, then you have to do it. But because I was able to open up enough, he was able to ask hard questions about my motives, why I was doing it, if there was something I was afraid of, and the reason that I didn't like the organization or the thing that I was doing, am I trying to get back? All of these questions he was able to ask because he had godly wisdom, he had been there before, and because he had my best interest in mind. And this is where I shamelessly plug life groups. Many of you don't have that. 
Many of you don't have people in your life that are going to speak godly wisdom into your life. And it may not happen night one. Like it may not all of a sudden you open up. I hope you do. But sometimes it takes a minute to open up. But you've got to start those relationships somewhere. You have got to start the relationships that are willing to open you up to a place to really ask somebody honestly. Like now I found out you have godly wisdom and that you want my best. I'll trust you enough to tell you I'm struggling. I'll trust you enough to tell you I'm about to do something stupid. I'll trust you enough to ask like, I feel like I'm talking to my kids like I shouldn't be. Or like, is this right? Can I yell at them? Can I cuss at them? Is this what I'm supposed to talk to my kids? Like, actually, no. No, it's not a good idea. Try not to cuss at them. That would be good. Let's start there. How about you lower your tone? Maybe spanking isn't the best direction to take them. Maybe, maybe they need a conversation and not a spanking. And you start opening these conversations with people that you love and love you, and they can start to speak into your life and say, no, nah, that's not God's best. And here's what God does. He takes one faithful step. You go, all right, God. All right, talk to counsel now. I've got wisdom, and I know you're calling me to do this. He moves mountains. The thing you thought you could never get over, the addiction you thought you could never overcome, the, thought, the, the way that you thought your marriage could never be. Like, I see their marriage, but they don't know who I'm married to. The way that you thought your kids could never act. God moves mountains, and he moves on your behalf, and he does something in your life and in their life. Let me go back to that original verse. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 32. It says, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Though it was the smallest of steps, I just, it was, it was a super small thing. Like I knew God had called me to call for a therapist, so I called. It was a super small step. I showed up to life group. It was a really small step. I just asked someone about this business they started and if I should start it. It was a really small step. I talk to my spouse about some things I'm wrestling with. It's a really small step. I had a hard conversation with my kids. It's a really small step. And God says, I will use it. When you step out in faith in the smallest of steps, the smallest of seeds, I will use it to move mountains and I will create branches. I will, I will create an environment around you that is healthy. I will, I, will, I will make what was meant to be unexpected and frustrating and terrible, I will turn it into the things that, that birds flock to and find safety in. I will turn your unexpected seed that was planted in your life, the trauma, the struggles that you went through, I will turn it. If you'll trust me with the small, faithful step, I will turn it into a place that is shade for the workers. I will turn it into people being set free and your heritage is different. Your family line is different because you chose to trust God and believe God for just a moment to take the one next step he had called you to. He's calling you to so much more. He's giving you meaning in this scripture. He's saying, you, you, if you're still breathing, he's not done. He, he can do amazing things. He can move mountains if you will just trust him with one faithful step and trust that he really is trying to give you more meaning and trying to use you to affect your environment, affect the people around you, to love people well. You will be the person that people look at and go, that's why I follow Jesus. That's why I love my family different. That's why my finances are different. That's why my health is different because I saw that person do something and God used them in an amazing way, in an impossible way. And now I can trust God because of that. He is calling you to more. So if you're taking notes, you aren't called to be the best. This is the good news. You are not called to be the best, but he is calling you to your best. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You just need to take one faithful step at a time. One faithful step. No one with your background, one faithful step. No one with your anger, one faithful step. No one with your marriage, one faithful step. No one with your struggles, one faithful step. And all of a sudden it turns around like they used to. One time I remember 
Did you see what God did in their life? Did you see what God did in their marriage? Did you see what God did with their kids? Did you see what God did in their finances? Did you see how they blessed the kingdom of God? Because God made branches out of the unexpected and created a safe space for other people to come and grow and to find the love and the mercy of Christ because you decided to trust God to bring out your best. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.